Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Is the Holy Writ, the Word of God, in the letter from Genesis to Revelation, truly the Word of God? Is it the Holy Writ? Can it be trusted? If there's a little leaven in any part of it, a contradiction of the Word of God, that is a mistranslation, then we can't trust it wholly. It has to be trusted entirely if it is indeed the Holy Writ. Now, God is able to keep his word for us in the holy written word of God. And we're going to see that there's some discrepancies that many people will say because there is an factual contradiction that is, it, it isn't, it is fallible and not infallible word of God. We see that in Solomon's porch. King states that it's 30 cubits high. Chronicles says 120 cubits high. They said that's a direct contradiction. Well, the fact is it is, but in spirit it's not. Because we have to have the revelation of why the writer said that under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. We have over 40 writers as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. It's a theranuptus the God-breathed Word of God, and they wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. One such thing popped up and come to the attention of many pastors, and they made videos on this, that the Easter should not be have written in the book of Acts, the 12th chapter, Luke, speaking about the death of James and then Peter in jail and waiting till after Easter to kill him, that this Easter should have been Pascha, or in other words, Passover. In all other places, it is Passover. Pascha is Passover. But here, we find it being the word Easter. Now, Easter comes from Ishtar, I-S-H-T-A-R, which is pronounced Easter, which is the daughter of Tammuz, a queen of heaven. We see that in Ezekiel. We see that in the word of God where uh, Judah was carried away and in worshiping the women weeping over Tammuz in Ezekiel. And we see them kneading dough in a meal offering and worshiping the queen of heaven, Easter, I-S-H-T-A-R, Ishtar, and some have even burned and their children and sacrificed to Moloch. These are all devils. They're gods of this world. This is spiritual wickedness in high places. But it is directly against the gospel of Jesus Christ, against the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus sacrificed for us is the blood in the New Testament given for you. The blood in the New Testament, if the New Testament is wrong, as some say that there was a mistranslation in Acts, the 12th chapter, that Easter should have meant Passover and not Easter, then we have a discrepancy. We have leaven, and it can't be trusted. If there's a little leaven anywhere in the Word of God, then... The leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Either it's the word of God, the holy writ, or it's not. 
and God has given to us the holy written word of God. Now true, the letter killeth and the spirit giveth life. And without the spirit, the Holy Ghost leading us and guiding us, there's no way even with the holy writ given to us that we can understand and ascertain the meaning. So let's go to what the pastors were contending over about the word Easter in Acts the 12th chapter. Reading for verse 1, we see that about that time Herod, this is Herod Agrippa, he ruled from 37 to 44 A.D. And he set, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. He was against the church. He was a Roman, and he kept Roman holidays. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Verse 2, verse 3. And because he saw, he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. In parenthesis, then were the days of unleavened bread. Now, he stated that was the time. And thank God that Brother Luke wrote that there so we would know the time, the season that we're talking about. The days of unleavened bread, we're going to see follow Passover. And in the Word of God, there is a difference in these feasts. In Leviticus 23, we find those stated as Moed, divine appointments of God with man, the feast of the Lord. And we find the beginning of it in their exodus from Egypt, and it was a beginning of months. It's a new thing that God is doing. So let's make sure we understand what Passover and unleavened bread mean and what the days of unleavened bread is to us. So we can... uh, know what the Luke is, Luke is writing about in Herod's attempt and intention to kill Peter after Easter, should it been after Passover. If so, then writing Easter there would be a mistranslation, and we can't trust it. Let's take a look at Exodus 12. This is where it's instituted, the Passover unleavened bread, and it speaks of the exodus of Israel out of Egypt. We all know that. And in Exodus 12, the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, this month that they're in currently, would be Abib, Nisan, which is six months after the civil year. The civil year, beginning the new year, at Rosh Hashanah, the new year, is Tishri, Ethneim, the seventh month of the religious, but it's the first month of the civil year. But now they're going to Exodus, Egypt, and in doing so, it's going to be a new beginning, a new thing, the leading of God to his people, separating his people from the world. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, It shall be the first month of the year to you. This is the first month of the religious year. It's Abib, Nisan. They're coming out, commemorating, coming out of Egypt. Speaking to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, 
they shall take to themselves, every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, Abib again. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, when this is going to be the beginning of the Passover. To make sure that we've got a perfect, spotless, blameless lamb, they were to keep it up four days, from the tenth day of the month to the fourteenth day. Jesus then, going in, who is our Passover lamb, sacrificed for us, was kept up before Pilate, Caiaphas, and Herod for four days. Now we know that Pilate said, I find no fault in him. They would rather have Barabbas. And over Jesus, when they crucified him, said, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And that, they said, don't write that. And he said, what I've written, I've written. Notice that you shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast with fire, of course we know that's the Holy Ghost, and unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And he talks about eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it, with your loins girded. We know in the New Testament our loins are girded with the truth, Logos. Your shoes on your feet, your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And your staff in your hand. That staff and that rod of the stem of Jesse, that rod that speaks of the measuring rod, will be given to John a reed like unto a rod, saying, Rise, measure the temple of God, the altar, and them that worship therein. So we see all of this in the feast of the Lord are for things which will come in the future. And it has the true meaning in Christ. Notice it says, And you shall eat it in haste, for it is the Lord's Passover. The Lord will see the blood upon the doorpost and the lintel and pass over, thus the word Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, not every night, not seven nights, but one night, and will smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, these are judgment miracles of God destroying every God of Egypt. 
Now, in the last days, God will famish all the gods of this earth. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this shall be unto you for a memorial. You shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Now that's the feast of Passover. We say that again in Leviticus 23. On the 14th day of the first month is the Lord's Passover. And we have that lamb that you have made sure that's without spot, without blemish, a male of the first year, kept up four days, make sure there's no blemish in it. it has to be the unspotted, blameless, a perfect lamb. And then it is killed. It's roasted and you eat it. That is one night. The Lord did not pass over seven nights in Egypt. Therefore, thus the Passover is on the 14th day of the first month, the Bib or Nisan. Then after that, beginning with the 15th day through the 21st, you will offer seven days of unleavened bread or the bread of affliction. There, so 14th day, the Lord's Passover. That's the Feast of Passover. Then you go to the next feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, begins on the 15th day of that same month. On the 15th day, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st are seven days. That is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jesus, the Passover lamb, was slain for us. Then he was buried. Feast of Unleavened Bread. Uh, he's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus raised up his own body as he stated he would in John 2. Now we keep these feasts uh, with the calves of our lips, glorifying our Passover lamb sacrifice for us. And he is the first uh, fruits from the dead. He has a preeminence in all things, and that comes to the Feast of First Fruits. So it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits. Then it carries us into the Feast of Pentecost, and we have that in Acts, the second chapter. And these are things uh, which were to come, examples of things which were to come in the future. So the death, burial, and resurrection is uh, recorded for us in the four Gospels. The gospel according to Matthew, gospel according to Mark, gospel according to Luke, and gospel according to John, revealing Jesus' four faces of uh, his work. And that is, he's a lion of the tribe of Judah and Matthew. He's a perfect man in the gospel according to Mark. He is a suffering, suffering servant, the ox in uh, the gospel according to Luke. He is uh, that flying eagle and the gospel according to John. Therefore, we have the four faces of Jesus, lion, man, ox, and eagle in the death and burial and resurrection account in the four gospels. Then we have, after that, the Feast of Weeks, which is a Feast of Pentecost. We're focusing on the Passover because that was what was declared by some ministers to be a false misinterpretation that it should read in Acts 12, verse 4, not Easter, but Pascha, or Passover. Well, is that true? If it is true, and we have a misinterpretation or mistranslation, 
then we can't trust the Holy Writ. But is it true? Many things in the Word of God seem that they'll be in uh, contradictions. There have been many books written on contradictions in the Word of God in fact, but yet in truth, it urges us, the body of Christ, to dig deeper for the real truth when it looks like it's a direct contradiction, which it's not. And it can only be revealed by the Spirit of God. Every letter in the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation is an attribute of Jesus and all his glory. From the Allah through the Tav in Hebrew, from the Alpha to the Omega in Greek, and all Latin, Chaldee, Aramaic, everything else is written in the Word of God, reveals Jesus. In the volume of the book is written of him, I come to do thy will, O God, for a body thou hast prepared me. God prepared himself a body. Well, let's take a look. There we find also Leviticus 23 states the same thing and tells us in the Moed, divine appointments of God with man that first is Passover, the feast of Passover. Fourteenth day of the first month is reiter reiterated again. <clears throat> then we have the feast of unleavened bread from the 15th through the 21st, the bread of affliction. We see it again in Numbers uh, 28 and verse 16, reading it there. And in the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. That happens, precedes unleavened bread. Now, next verse 17. And in the 15th day of this month is the feast. Seven days shall unleavened bread be eaten. In the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no manner of silver work therein. When you see that, the first and the last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the, the bread of affliction, on the 15th day is the Holy Convocation. And the last day is the Holy Convocation. That is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is not Passover. Passover is the 14th day where the Lord passed over and all that had the blood applied to the doorposts and the lentils were passed over. The ones that did not have that blood applied were killed in the firstborn of Egypt. That's, that's the Passover. That was one night where the Lord passed over. Albeit, on the 15th day, the bread of affliction, seven days you'll eat thereof from the 15th to the 21st. Now, let's go back to the book of Acts. Being that the case, and we see in Luke's writing that he said, verse 2, that he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. He's killed one. Now he sees it pleased the Jews. So he said, now he's intent. I'm going to kill Peter. How be he's going to wait? Why would he wait? And he puts Peter in jail with four quaternions. 16 soldiers holding to make sure he didn't get away. And we see in verse 3, because it pleased him there, the Father take Peter also. We have the key. When was this? Then were the days of unleavened bread. 
that was not Passover, it was not Pascha, should not be interpreted Pascha. Easter is a correct transliteration. Well, Easter is the queen of heaven. It is a, a pagan festival where they worship the earth and the queen of heaven. They need dough to it and sacrifice to it. And Tammuz weeping there before Tammuz, eastward there. And they said, in your mind, see what they do, Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is revealed this, that even the priest looking toward the east for the women weeping for, for Tammuz. Well, we find it in Mystery Babylon. What is the sin there? Well, the sin is, Mr. Babylon, the great the mother of hearts, abomination of the earth, says, I said a queen. Here's the queen of heaven. I said a queen. Here's the queen of heaven. That is Easter. In Egypt, it's called Isis. Isis. I-S-I-S. The same. Nirvana. Uh, we have many different names of her. Tammuz was the mother of Easter, or Easter. And they would say they were married. Uh, there we have uh, kind of uh, incest there in this connotation of Ishtar, Easter, and Tammuz. But it all goes back to they will not suffer. They say when we worship the Queen of Heaven, all things were good for us. We had plenty of food and meal on the table. Therefore, they said, you will keep the feast and you will keep the feast of the Lord in obedience. And they said, we will not keep it. Why? Because they said in the days when we worshiped the queen of heaven, everything was good. Well, why would that be? Well, the rod of God is not upon the head of the wicked. All that he loves, he chastises. That we will not be condemned with the world. The rod of God is not upon the head of the wicked. Uh, in this life, you find the rich man fared sumptuously. Lazarus sat outside the gate begging for crumbs. Well, in the time later on, Lazarus died. So did the rich man. And we find Lazarus going into the bosom of Abraham. We find the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell being tortured. And he prayed, Father Abraham, let Lazarus just dip his finger in water and touch the tip of my tongue, for I'm grievously tormented in this place. Well, in your lifetime, you had all things, and you fared sumptuously, and you were had all these things and all that your soul lusted after. You did your own will. Lazarus, on the other hand, Suffered evil during that time, but now he's comforted. There's a lot in the truth that we have to understand that there's a cross for the body of Christ. Not to destroy us, but that we will not be conformed to this world, being tra transformed by the renewing of our mind. We can't love the world and the things in the world. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The queen of heaven is the world. It's a worship of the earth in the regeneration. It comes after winter, after the winter sold us, 
then we come into spring and it springs forth in restoration restitution of things and the earth is restored and therefore they offer a feast to this queen of heaven easter isis tammuz and the different names that she goes by with whatever country that they worship this queen of heaven in and in the new testament it's mystery of babylon said i said a queen here's your queen and i am no widow said i'm married to jesus and i will see no sorrow i'm not going to have any sufferings or tri tribulation or persecution when jesus has already stated all that live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution now if you are a believer and you know the work that tribulation does work patience patience worketh experience and experience worketh hope hope maketh not ashamed because the love of god is shed abroad in our heart by the holy ghost you're not only called to believe on jesus but also to suffer with him queen of heaven says no 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 we will not suffer we won't have any of that we want blessings and the prosperity preachers have tuned in with these uh, queen of heaven mystery of babylon the great the mother of ours abominations of the earth said i said a queen i am no widow i'll have no and see no sorrow no tribulation no persecution and jesus stated he will command and sift all the house of israel the nation of israel as well as the church the nations are his sifter and he said i'll sift you as wheat but not the least grain will fall to the ground what's he sifting he's separating the chaff from the wheat those that suffer with him will reign with him well, those that do not will not reign with him it's just that simple well you know i'm called to believe on jesus but also to suffer with him uh, the pastor said and the worldly church says no we'll stay with the queen of heaven we'll stay with no sorrows no pain no tribulation we'll preach the prosperity gospel join up the church and you'll have houses lands and cars and money multiplied to you just simply give to this so-called church it's a lie think it not strange the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering and the glory of God resteth upon your head you're telling me that's the way we get the glory yes by crucifying the the flesh with the affections and the lust mortifying the deeds of the flesh and that Queen of Heaven says no you don't have to do that it's a worldly church and they don't realize by denying the cross that they are absolutely sacrificing to Easter, Easter, Tammuz, that is, to the gods of this world. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. They appeal to that with great swelling words of man's wisdom, making merchandise of the people, as well as singing, dancing, and we want to praise God, of course. But understand, there is a cross that we must all bear in the body of Christ. The Queen of Heaven says, no, we don't. 
It's a worldly church, and it's simply a name it, claim it, snap it, and grab it gospel. You give God a dollar, he's going to give you 10 back. You give him a thousand, he's going to give you 10,000 back. He is a glorified uh, slot machine for money. And that's just not the case. We find that they say, you give God an offering, he's going to give you a hundredfold back. Take a good look at that in Mark 10. That's only for those that sell out. Except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. But we want to hold on to the goods of this world. Investment portfolios. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, real estate investment trust. We want to uh, hold on to our possession. And, but a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. They hold on to that, Jesus said. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Yet the worldly church says you can Jesus said, except a man forsaketh all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever will lose his life, that is, your will and your, your whole uh, purpose that you want and your own volition of will, if you lose that, then you'll find it. But whosoever will find his life, hold on to all that you have and you want and all that your soul lusts after, then you'll lose it. You have to lose it for Jesus' sake and for the gospel. And that's a good businessman as far as I'm concerned. What do you think? Well, if I lose my life here for a measly 70 years, and by reason of strength, I go to four score 80 years, yet man of born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I'll put my investment in Jesus. For which this light affliction, which worked only but for a moment, works for us, the body of Christ, a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The queen of heaven says directly opposite. You can have it here, love the world, and you can have Jesus, eternal life as well. That is a lie. And the ones that buy into that, thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. All that will be rich fall into many hurtful lusts and divers temptations. Well, if the riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. Always be willing to communicate, lifting up the gospel of Jesus Christ. The queen of heaven says, no, you can keep it. The grounds of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he said, what shall I do? I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build greater. That's a good businessman. He didn't lie, cheat, or steal. He certainly didn't kill anybody. He wasn't in the mafia or any other uh, corrupt lying, cheating, or stealing. Certainly didn't embezzle the money. It was his grounds that brought forth plentifully. And he pulled down his barns. He built greater. And he said to his soul, so Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's much good stored up for many years. Well, that sounds uh, like you can have the world and Jesus too because he allowed that ground of that rich man to bring forth plentifully. He simply used it in business. But that night, 
Notice it's in the night visions. When the man-child's birth, it's the time that God's doing now for those that have an ear to hear. And this last great day move of God and the new thing that he's doing. And the new wine must be put in the new wineskins and God's calling for all those that will have an ear to hear what he's saying to the churches. And we have to obey. The body of Christ is coming together. We're looking for your phone, God. We're looking to meet you. And we will take this gospel to the world. There, we find that this rich man, his grounds brought forth plentifully. He didn't allow cheat or steal to get it. The only thing that he heard from heaven that night was, Thou fool, this night thy soul should be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be that you have laid up? So is he that is rich toward self and not rich toward God. The queen of heaven says, well, while you worship me, and the people say, well, we worship the queen of heaven. Everything was great. The rod of God wasn't on us. We didn't have to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. The devil doesn't care who has the money. And you sell your soul to the devil for a lousy 70 or 80 years in this present evil world. Then what shall you have therefore? What shall a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Shall he give the fruit of his body for the sin of his soul? Of course not. And this is what is happening there in the Acts, the 12th chapter, at the body of Christ, the leaders there, and being killed. He's killed James. Now he's going after Peter. He's at the days of unleavened bread. Passover's already passed. The 14th day has already passed. Now we're somewhere between the 15th and 21st day because those are the days of unleavened bread. Nowhere in the word of God does it say Passover lasts for seven days. Passover's on one day, the 14th day of the first month of Eve. Now, unleavened bread, 15th day through the 21st, seven days, the bread of affliction. Luke tells us specifically, these are the days of unleavened bread. So somewhere between the 15th and the 21st is where the days were. But notice in verse 4, and when he had apprehended Peter, that is, Herod had apprehended Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. That's 16 soldiers. Intending after Easter, after Easter, after Ishtar, that Roman feast of the Queen of Heaven, Ishtar, Tammuz, Yes, because Herod kept that. He was believing in the Roman gods. And certainly after winter, in late April, they always had a feast there in spring to restore and praise the gods of the earth. Mother Nature, so to speak. And the regener regeneration, rejuvenating the earth. 
And of course, well, what better way to express that than the rabbit, infertility, and eggs. And this is where we get this occult. This pagan holiday. It is a real holiday. And the people that worship Mother Earth and all still do it today. They worship the Queen of Heaven. Now, many Christians think that they're not, but they have a crossless Christianity. And if you don't suffer with him, you won't reign with him. They're not realizing that they are absolutely worshiping the Queen of Heaven. Then Mystery of Babylon, saying, I said a queen. Well, what's the motive? What, what is our ideology? What is their faith-based system? Well, there is, there is no cross. I will have no sorrow, no birth pains. I'm not delivering anything. I'm already a queen. I am no widow. And I will see no sorrow. Well, God said, I'm sifting all the house of Israel among the nations. That's God's sifter. And it's sifting the wheat from the chaff, the holy from the profane, the righteous from the wicked, those that serve God versus those that do not serve God in truth and obedience. And he says, but not the least grain will fall to the ground. All that are my harvest, I won't lose any of them. But he goes on and says in Amos 9.10, I will destroy all the sinners of my people. Sinners of God's people? Yes, by the sword. Now that is very profound. Jesus stated, you think I come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword. God said it in Amos 9.10, there's a sword. What's that? That is in the world. There is a chastening rod upon the people of God. Paul said that I would know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul put it this way. Trouble on every side, but not in distress. Perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in our body that is in the flesh, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life of the Lord Jesus may be manifest in our mortal bodies. For we which live, the true body of Christ, are always delivered unto death, not prosperity. We find there in Sardis, poor, very poor people, and said, but I've called the poor rich in faith. We have it upside down. We think that those that are blessed with all the worldly goods, that they are the leaders of God's people, when it's just exactly the opposite, because when a person has the riches, he sells out that preacher, minister. I don't care if he is an apostle, firstly apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, fourthly workers of miracles, governments helps, whatever the case is in the body of Christ, they sell. They provide themselves treasures in the heavens, where moth and rust are not corrupt, these do not break through and steal. For where your treasures, there's your heart also. Jesus stated it, the apostles did it, the church sanctioned it. The church always has sold their possessions and had everything common for the cause of the gospel. That's the only hundredfold blessing there is in the word of God. In Mark 10, those that sold their possessions. Jesus said, shall receive a hundredfold more in this time, in this lifetime, 
and then the life to come, eternal life. But he that's first to be last, he that's last to be first. That means that we are to forsake all, sell all, and give up all, and except a man forsaketh all that he had, that cannot be my disciple. That's the true body of Christ that comes together in a unity of the faith. And they forsake not the assembling of themselves together, as a matter of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We have right now over a thousand ministers in Africa, India, Nepal, Australia, etc., over the world that are praying and fasting, believing God to bring this body together. And that takes the body coming together in the unity of the faith. We sold out, my family and I with two children, sold out back when I was 29 years old and followed the Lord two years uh, there with another minister until he sold uh, the gospel tent that he was in. And then I sat down and read the word of God for three years. My wife worked, but during this time we kept giving. And for the gospel, for the cause of the gospel, there is the key. Because when a man forsaketh all that he hath, he joins with the body of Christ. You have to make sure that you just don't give it away. You're not giving your money away. You're providing yourself a treasure in the heaven. Or moth and rust are not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. The gospel goes forth through the saints of the living God and they're sacrificing their lives for the cause of the gospel. That's the way the Lord has done it. That's what happened in Acts, the second chapter, and Acts, the fourth chapter. All the head land, possession, sold them, laid them at the apostles' feet. But you got to make sure that they are in the gospel and you will be in that body and will go forth preaching and teaching the gospel. You won't be just sitting back doing nothing, occupying or sitting on a pew. You'll be actively engaged in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Every individual member in particular will keep their part in lifting up and edifying of itself in love. That takes the whole body coming together. This worldly church will never see it. They think that it's all in the money in the bank. Give. And it is given to be given to you, good measure, pressure down, shaking together, and run over your men, given to your bosom. That's true. But it's for the cause of the gospel, not for yourself, not to heap treasures upon yourself. You provide treasures in the heavens where moth and rust are not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. Mark 10 tells us that. You will be perfect. God deals with you differently there. But the queen of heaven says, no, no, no. No, let's preach the world. And all the blessings that come with it, all that your soul lusts after, and we find that in Revelation, all that thou soul lusted after was in that false church of Babylon. And they were made rich by the abundance of her delicacies. They loved her. But in one hour, so greater riches will come to naught. The true body of Christ are the ones that will inherit all things. So let's take a look. What is their problem? They're worshiping the Ishtar, the Easter, Tammuz, Mr. Babylon the Great, the mother of hearts, abomination of the earth. I said a queen, she says. She is that queen. She is no widow. <laughs> She's that false gospel of prosperity. And many of her thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. Well, we have here what, what it uh, 
uh, Peter's in jail. James they've killed, John, the brother of John. And then we have Herod says, now, after we have our new reju rejuvenation feast to Ishtar, Easter, and at that latter time, after, after the feast of Easter, at Ishtar, Tammuz, then I'm going to, I'm going to have the final consummation of it. I'm going to take Peter out and I'm going to kill him because the Jews are going to love it. But everybody in Rome is going to love it even more because these that tormented us, bringing the blood of Jesus upon us, preaching this name of Jesus, we're going to put an end to it. And I'm going to do it after the pagan feast of Easter. Well, we know what happened. God sends his angel, takes Peter out of jail, out of prison, and then we go and further on in the book of Acts. Is it a correct transliteration? Yes. Is it a pagan holiday? Yes. Do we keep it? Absolutely not. We don't keep Easter. We don't go after the eggs and we don't go after uh, the the rabbits and all the little bunny gods out there. That's totally ludicrous. But the point is that it is a correct transliteration here. Luke knew exactly what he was saying. He knew that Herod was going to keep this feast in April, rejuvenating the earth after the winter solstice, and it comes in in spring, and it's a restoration of the things of the earth. It's worshiping the earth, the world. And, of course, it is prosperity. They think that from then, then they're going to be blessed and they're going to have plenty of money and all the possessions that are going to be given to them. But he's not going to kill Peter until after that Easter, Easter feast. That is a correct transliteration. Now, some will say, well, no, no, no. It says there in Ezekiel 45 that Passover is seven days. And they take a verse out of context to make it fit their profile that said that Easter should be Passover, Pascha, and not Easter, as Luke, our beloved brother, wrote. Well, let's take a look at it. <laughs> Ezekiel 45, verse 21. In the first, you see what it says, in the first month, there's the beam, in the 14th day of the month, that is Passover, one day, you shall have the Passover, comma, stop right there. That's the Passover. That's the 14th day. But they go on and read it to be seven days in Passover. No, there's a comma there. A feast of seven days, semicolon, we would write that, i.e., which is what? Unleavened bread shall be eaten. Well, Seven days unleavened bread will be eaten after the 14th day. Passover is not, never has been, and never will be seven days. The feast of Passover is the 14th day. The 15th day until the 21st is the, the feast of unleavened bread. They misconstrue that. It is a false translation that they believing in a revelation that Passover seven days is simply not so. So, though, can we trust the Word of God? Yes, you can. 
Is it a holy writ? Has God kept his word for a holy writ for us down here that when we read the word of God, we can have confidence in it, that it is truly inerrant word of God? Or it doesn't have contradictions and leaven in it? Of course. That's the reason it's called the authorized version. And somebody said, well, Brother Bill, you use other versions? Well, I collect Bible. I have over 25 different versions there that I uh, keep the uh, Apocrypha 1611 edition on to NLTs and the Living Translation, the NASB, uh, the ESVs, uh, the Texas Receptors. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. But for Revelation, we hold to the KJV authorized version to be the inerrant, pure Word of God. So, KJV purist. And the revelation of the Ain and what he has written and how it is, it can't be, we see it any other way. The deeper you go, now any translation, you can get you saved. You know, you get into the little depth there and you become a newborn baby desiring the sincere miracle word. You may grow thereby. You can do that with an ALT. You can even take a false translation of a Jehovah Witness Bible and, and through the scriptures, be born again. But when you get into the depth of the word, you go from the newborn babes to little children, you have a revelation of the father. Well, then it becomes tighter, more straight, more straight the gate. And the Holy Ghost there leading and guide you into all truth. You go deeper. And the deeper you go, the more that word of God and the Holy Writ becomes open to you and these deep and secret things of God given to you to know these treasures that are hid in Christ. And that is, you become young men. The word of God is strong in you. How did you get it? You present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which was your reasonable service. You were not conformed to this world. You didn't follow the queen of heaven, Easter and Easter and Tamas and Moloch and all the other uh, mystery Babylon, the queen, set a, a queen and is no widow and shall see no birth pangs or sorrow. You believe the truth and you're going deeper. Well, that's a wise man. That wise man dig deep and founded that rock, the height, depth, length, and weak width of that, that rock. That rock is Christ. And it's given us to know these deep and secret things. It will be revealed in the last days. It's not sealed up among my treasures, saith God. And we're going to be measured. We see that in Deuteronomy 32. And it states there, is this not sealed up among my treasures, saith God? For the Lord will judge his people and repent himself of the evil, the trouble, the tribulation that we're going through. When he sees their powers gone, it'll bring us to the end of our own self. And there's none shut up or lip. Why would he do that? Because it's perfecting the body of Christ. Because to cease from sin. Even Paul with the Holy Ghost stated there in Romans 7. O wretched man that I am who will deliver me for the body of this death. That is in my flesh. That is a body in the members of the flesh. That dwelleth no good thing. Though only those that walk in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's called sanctification. And obedience is required unto righteousness, unto holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So we 
we expect these. We know there's going to be tribulation. We know there's going to be persecution against the saints. They're going to rail against us. You're going to be hated of all nations for his name's sake. You're in the truth. And that's the reason you'll see your testimony with your own blood. Or love is stronger than death. And those that do that will reap the everlasting life. He said, some of you be thrown into prison for 10 days. That's the Feast of Trumpets, the ministry voice of Jesus. Be you faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life. You those that seek to save their lives are going to lose it. Those that seek to lose their life for the gospel's sake, the same will find it. We don't worship the Easter. We don't do a rejuvenation of the world or restoration of the earth. Our conversation is in heaven. Made to set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hope this has been a blessing to you. You have the inerrant word of God. And we're not saying that you shouldn't use an NASB, SB, or whatever. But for revelation purposes and the one mind, one accord, and the unity of the faith, we strongly urge the body of Christ when we're preaching, teaching the word of God to use the authorized version. Therefore, we're all on the same page, saying the same thing, and not having a translation done by this one or that one, or an amplified Bible, which is nothing more but a commentary. And there we get into the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God will lead us on in his spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory, to the full measure of himself, presenting a glorious church to himself without spot or without blemish. Well, tune to the podcast. If you're not, tell your friends and your brethren. Download our free app. Sailing God's people tune in daily as we go into the Word of God. And those that would like to go deeper, we have a private website made strictly for you. If you are a born-again believer, born of the water and the Spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, after you repented and received the Holy Ghost, and you have come to the next step of little children, you know that Jesus is the Father. You've known the Father then this site is for you. Going into deeper, the depth of the riches of Jesus Christ. We're breaking down their present truth and the oracle there and that testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Join us there. You'll be asked one question. Do you believe in the one God, Jesus, the only doctrine of Christ? If you answer that, yes, you're in. We want you there. It's at JCIC. TV. JCIC is Jesus Christ International Church. It's abbreviated. JCIC.tv, which is a fellowship of like-minded, one God, Jesus only, doctrine of Christ, that he alone is God, the blessed and only potentate, who only hath immortality. 1 Timothy 6, 15, 16. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, which is, was, and is come, the Almighty God, Revelation 1, 8. That he is God Almighty, the Father of glory, the Lord, Jesus Christ. Then you would, after you answer that question, you have a free registration. Get a username and password, join us there. I'm there on that site where you can ask questions and also put and lay down your comments for the other ministers and believers. 
I just ministered believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're there Monday through Saturday, 2 2 p.m. daily Central Standard Time here in Texas. We'd love for you to join us. If God's dealing with you about joining up with us, we'd love to hear from you. We know God's dealing with several out there and we're looking forward to meeting you. Well, until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.